Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. McCarthy Cup is on its way back to Leeside once again. The first part of a possible double has been achieved by an amazing display of heart, commitment. Are the 14 men to prevail in front of their loyal band of fans? The subs wait. The double has been achieved. Hello, wherever you are, and welcome to a very special and, in fact, nostalgic examiner sport chat on what is a special day in the calendar of Cork GA and its supporters. September 16th is the day the Rebels completed the glorious double in 1990. The afternoon the footballers put pay to their hoodoo, their fixation and vexation with the footballers of Meath. What we are looking at today with these three Cork footballing legends beside me is to put a little perspective on what they achieved 30 years ago. Everyone knows that September 16 is the day that the Cork footballers completed the double, a historic event in his case. What we want to do today, though, is drill down into that event, drill down into that game, remembering the fact that, for instance, Cork played over 40 minutes of the final against Meath with 14 men and still prevailed. And speaking of Meath, how special was it, the fact that they completed the double against what was their biggest rivals of the time? Because we are all very conscious around here today that this is 30 years ago and that there's going to be a generation of people watching this special broadcast who weren't even born then. You've got to remember, putting some perspective on the fact that Kerry were the All-Ireland champions in 1986, but for the following four years, Cork reached the All-Ireland final, winning two and Meath also winning two. So these three gentlemen around me have a very... Um, a very special insight, I would say, into what was a historic day for Cork, but a historic day for the GA. The captain on the day in 1990 was the man directly to my left, Larry Tompkins. His club colleague is Niall Cahalan, who was full back on that special day. And centre back was Conor Cunahan. Two of these men, of course, have already gone on to manage Cork. In the instance of Conor, All Ireland success in 2010. A question for later in the show is at what stage Niall Cahalan will take over and manage the Cork footballers. But for the moment, lads, welcome. This chat is your chat, and I suppose what I'm looking to get from it is everybody knows, Larry, that the All-Ireland Final of 1990 
finished 11 points to 9 for Cork. They completed the double. Most people know that Cullum O'Neill was sent off before half-time. But just give me a sense of how special it was, not just the fact that it completed the double, but the fact that it was Meath you played in the final. And I suppose the question I'd ask is, which was more special on September 16, 1990? The fact that you completed the double or the fact that you beat Meath in the All-Ireland final? I think for the team itself, I think to beat Mead, mm. um, I think to Cork and Mead were giants of football at that time. Like they were, we had won the All Ireland final the previous year, eighty nine. Um, they had Narchi had beaten us in eighty seven and beat us in eighty eight after a replay. Um, I think to prove yourself as a team, we needed to beat them. Um, so I don't think there was any. I don't think there was any uh, fear like that the players like going into the All Ireland final wasn't really worked up for it and focus. I've I've been often asked the question. I'm sure the lads were the same. Like, uh, was there any more pressure when the hurlers won? But I don't think there was. Uh, I'd be totally honest. I just think that the team was so focused that they uh, going up on the train. I remember sitting beside Colm O'Neill and Colm didn't speak a word to me. <laughs> Maybe that Callum was a quiet fella, but uh, he was just so worked up for for Mick Lyons and you know, as a, as we seen on the day, he was he was just prepared for anything. Mm-hmm. And you know, he was just I, I was naturally very disappointed for Callum because he was having one of those games that you know you just dream of in other and find like like Shea Fahey had a magnificent game. Callum like was just I, I'd say Mick Lyons. Mick often said it to me afterwards like that. For that 26 minutes, like that, uh, Callum was on the field, it was probably the greatest roast Mick ever got. Mm-hmm. And I suppose it stunned Mick because uh, Mick didn't hardly touch the ball for the rest of the game. So, um, yeah, like it was just massive focus. And I think when we went into the dressing room after Callum was sent off, uh, you know, I can remember that I don't think many of the players even sat down. I think they were just so anxious to get back on the field again. and. And I think at the time, people didn't even realise like, that Callum had been sent off. It was just a matter of going out there, finishing the job, and, you know, prove ourselves like as a, an outstanding team. Niall, is there a chance, though, or was there a fear, I should say, that that might have actually been too much of a factor for you? The fact that you actually mightn't be able to play your game for the fact that it was Meath and there was such a level of desperation for you to get over the line against them? Um I think from an early stage in 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 ninety, um, and I, I, I'd say let's was when we didn't we play them in the the league format oh. in early nineteen ninety in Crow Park. It was a time when they brought in the quarters at the time. You you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and we played them. I'd say maybe in a quarter final of a league, um, and uh, again they turned us over, uh, and deservedly so. Uh, we went back training the Tuesday night and in I knew like all we had in our sights at that stage was meat. Was that the day, was that the famous day that Billy went down on his knees after the game or was that a different game against Dublin? Wasn't there one day where he went down on his knees and yeah, said, was, yeah, please yeah. let them come through? It was a league semi-final. Was it a semi-final? Was it a semi-final? Yeah. yeah. But um, no, Billy would have went on his knees a lot of times. No, I can assure you, lads. You know, there was <laughs> there was no... That, that wouldn't have been anything new. Yes. But uh, uh, it would have been one of those days. And, and I think when we came back on, on the following week training, 
uh, and the focus totally zoned in and kind of what we were it started then mm-hmm. um, and I suppose if you if you actually turn it back the 12 months previous um, that we had beaten Mayo I think we had in even in 89 been so much focused on meat and meat didn't even come out of Leinster mm-hmm. uh, that it nearly became a shock to the system and we I won't say we barely fell over the line but yeah. you know what I mean it was um, but certainly in 1990 um, I have no hesitation in saying yeah. you know um, from that date in April or whatever on uh, the whole thing was focused about winning in All-Ireland and hopefully the meet we get through the other side Would you use the word fixation Connor? Obsession with Meath? Is that too strong? I suppose they're fairly two fairly appropriate words I suppose like as you said in terms of perspective like 87 you know, we, we had a right good chance that then turned us over there probably wasn't as much rivalry there at that stage but then 88 we had him beaten we reckoned ourselves and then we had a refereeing decision went against us and you know I think that day I remember the bus left the stadium early and I was walking down the road with this fella and <laughs> they didn't know I was even there like but we were getting some torrent of abuse as the fella said I suppose by virtue of Larry coming down from Kildare to Cork or whatever like but we got some stick that day and like the intensity between the sports grew and grew mm. and like 89 was alright we had our all out in the middle but look it wasn't what we wanted and then you know as I said we went into the league semi-final turned over again by these crowd and you're saying and everyone is saying they'll never beat them like yeah. so like that was the ultimate as I said you just had to you know and I'll say we were folks we were this and we were driven we were but we were driven all the years too and it just didn't seem to happen but look maybe there was that extra bit that year like um, but yeah life, life wouldn't have been the same without it Imagine they didn't come through now imagine in 1990 you had got yourselves to such a state because I remember even in Larry's book Believe which has just um, been released and is, is being officially launched soon you mentioned Larry and Niall you might actually recall as well that National League semi-final even the Mead crowd as you were even coming out or going in like we're kind of getting stuck in you in a really nasty way so like there was a genuine, I mean, this wasn't one of those kind of boxing matches for Sky where we're building up the rivalry, the antipathy. Like, there genuinely was a serious grudge there between the groups at the time. Yeah, if they hadn't come through, I suppose, yeah. Uh, but but I think it was a year that we had, in particular, left no stone unturned. I, 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 like, if I'm correct, lads, uh, was it Kerry in the Munster final that... Column shot out, shot the lights out the same day. Was it? Was that that year? Yeah, kicked eleven points. Yeah. Uh, kicked eleven pints. Uh, I think did we win by? I won by seventeen. Seventeen pints. Mm. So the whole thing was so structured that year, and and the likelihood is, is, you know what I mean. We weren't young guys anymore. We weren't, you know what I mean. Mm. Um, and I think we had matured fairly well also, uh, and we weren't in our early twenties. We were all at that stage lads heading into our late 20s so it was you know what I mean um, and I'm fully convinced that more so to 89 it, it, in 1990 it didn't matter it, you know what I mean we were prepared to go the distance you know no matter what happened um, you had Cullum scored 11 pints in a Munster final against Kerry we won an All-Ireland scoring 11 pints you know what I mean yeah um, Obviously, it wasn't as 
open a game as what the 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 monster final was or whatever like you would call him hit Mick Lyons a slap after whatever that was 20 minutes or whatever no he must have been completely off his game to hit Mick Lyons he could have picked any one of the rest of them <laughs> you know but like it will tell you where we were yeah. um, when you had Colm O'Neill actually stood up and hit Mick Lyons a box <laughs> mm-hmm. you know um, I think 1990 was from as far as I'm concerned was was very different to what happened any of the years before that as Connor said, yeah, we were well prepared all those years, but I think that was the one that we probably were 110 percent for. One of the important things about today's discussion, Connor, is it isn't just about the 1990 and the other, and what we're here to do as well is we are here to help in whatever way we can and certainly we're asking for the public support in whatever way they can and I'm talking financial to actually support I think I was going to say our good friends and the GAs good friends but I think everyone's good friends in Marymount Hospice I mean I don't think there's be a family who will watch this special telecast today who haven't been touched in some way unfortunately by cancer myself included in more recent times and I think any Anywhere you go, you never hear anything but good about the incredible work that is done out there. So there is, um, there is an address at the bottom of your screens today, and for people like myself whose eyesight might be failing, I'm actually going to give it to you. It's idonate.ie forward slash go red for Cork. It's idonate.ie forward slash go red for Cork. And the go red for Cork bit is also about wearing red with pride around Cork today. September the 16th, 2020. It is exactly 30 years to the day since the double was completed. But even after five minutes, lads, the vibe I'm getting from you is that the double was very much a secondary consideration to you for the fact that it was an All-Ireland final against me. If this was against... Dublin, if it was against Donegal or even Ross Common Connor that you met in the semi finals, would it have been more difficult to get yourselves up for the game? I probably would because I think, as the lads said, the background into this was me for the team we wanted to beat. I suppose, you know, when you talk about the double, to be honest, the double never entered our head. I suppose sport at the high level is a very selfish game, and mm-hmm. for each and every one of us, this was always about beating meat in an All Ireland final. You know, we'd been written off as the club that couldn't beat meat had we not uh, done that. Fortunately enough, it happened for us on the day, and uh, I suppose the rest is history. Look, when we came to Cork on the Monday night, the idea of the two cups out there is, was fantastic. We're 30 years on now, it hasn't been done since. But look, equally, what's your point in terms of the importance of what we're here today about Marymount and nobody, no family being untouched by it? It's just fantastic that the idea came from Lyle's young son, Connor, mm-hmm. this idea to come out there. And just, you know, at the end of the day, you know, hopefully we can get a great response to this because it's badly needed, you know, and let's hope today will bring that, if nothing else. Yeah. Cork were a bunch of moaners, 87, 88, 89. That's the thing I used to hear. My cousins are me, people are from Kells. Anytime I used to go up on holidays, that's the guff I used to get, Larry. Me never stop mourning, never stop giving up. Where did they go? Did that seep into the camp? Well, was it was it me that was mourning or were we mourning? They were mourning that you were mourning. <laughs> well, there was a lot of people mourning. Um, 
Look, I, I just think that, you know, playing down here, I suppose for myself and she um, coming into the Cork's help, like Cork, had, they've always massive talent, like, and, you know, Cork had a golden area uh, with the lads here, and I played on the 21 successes. Um, you know, they won, there was a six all Irons in the, that decade, and from the 80s and the 90s, that's incredible, like, and uh, you know, the talent coming through. But I suppose, like, with myself and Shea coming in, like, playing Kerry, like, was... I suppose then that's had more of an effect, like in relation to trying to go over Kerry. Whereas I suppose we had no hang-ups. We it was our first time, like, and um, I just felt that naturally I knew Mead, myself and Shade knew Mead way better than we knew Kerry, like, and I just think that both kind of teams that time played differently. Yeah. Um, Kerry and now you're Kerry Mantoni, so um, I think they just the go and the, the they play hard and fair, and it's a different type of game. Mead. They were physical, they were tough, and you know, at that time you could take a fella out of it and the linesman would be looking at you and you just move on, you just have to deal with situations. Like, and I just feel like maybe, you know, Cork probably needed a year or two to try and learn from, from that a bit. Mm. Um, and I just think like when it came to, I thought 88 was a year like that, we, we were there, we were ready, and you know, as Connor has mentioned already, like that was a year that we should have won the other, you know. You know, we should have had them put away uh, easy the first day, and then the second day became just a battle of uh, fighting every five or ten minutes. And um, I just think 1990, when we did meet them, I think we were ready. We were ready in every sense of the way. So uh, there was there was there was moaning and there was different things. But look, when you lose, you're 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 probably going to go away and you're going to be hurt. Mm. But um, I think the way to answer it is is on the field, and I think that in fairness to Mead. Um, I think they accepted that Cork were a serious team mm. and you know I think we accepted that Mead were a serious team too yeah but did you have to I suppose now what I'll ask you is did you I won't say did, you know I mean it's a, it's too much of a, a kind of a throwaway comment to say did you have to get down and dirty but did you actually have to match them physically like did you have to almost win the battle before you won the match against Mead Um yeah, you'll be correct. That that is correct. There's no doubt. And 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 Larry is touching it already. I think the style of football that we played in Cork and our club football and everything else and at Andre's level was was very different mm. to what the standards they were playing up there. You know, um, I think there was probably an awful lot more let go um, in Mead in Mead yeah. than what would have been down here. And that's that's probably still the same way, mm. like it or not. You know. Um, it took us a while to adjust to that. All of a sudden, you were inside an All Ireland final. You were a match official. He was as nervous as any of the players. Me dictated the terms, and this is the way it was played, and that's the way the match official went. Yeah. Um, and I think it genuinely took us. Certainly, Larry is right in saying I felt eighty-eight. Um, we were ready. There was nothing in it. Um, it was. You know what I mean? They were all close games at any stage. And we had a man sent off that too. Absolutely. Um, uh, very little in it. But but it took us a while to adjust mm. to, whether you call it, get down and dirty or whatever. And was that a psychological adjustment, Niall, in terms of every individual just saying, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to be bullied, I'm not going to then, or was it actually a tactical adjustment by the management that you actually introduce stuff into training, you know, how did that actually go? It was a bit of both. Mm. There's no doubt it was psychological, definitely, there's no doubt about it. Um, and if you go back to 87, like, 
if I'm not mistaken, in '86, even though Kerry won in All Ireland, meet random, very close, very close, and they actually made two or three, two probably criminal errors in defence that cost them. They did, you know, the goalkeeper, uh, if you remember. Robbie O'Malley was the binding Martin McQuinn and Robbie O'Malley binding into each other so that was a game of a semi-final in in, in, in 86 that was small margins and Kerry went on and won in All-Ireland was it Tyrone? Tyrone Tyrone I think in the final where they beat comfortably Um, and then they had that probably little bit of Croke Park experience and making those mistakes uh, coming into 87 uh, plus the fact that yeah they were physical they were no nonsense mm. uh, and that was a take it or leave it you were I mean you know again I'm, I'm remembering that Morgan thing Connor of going down and saying please let it be me and that's all great stuff and it sounds great and it's brilliant but ultimately it's the players who will have to be the ones who will decide there's a 40-60 ball there and I'm going through it I'm you know and when you look through your side, you didn't lack size. I mean, you know, we talk about the psychological adjustment. But, I mean, even around this table, and you throw in the likes of the Barry Coffees and the Shea Fahis, and, you know, you, there were some big units on that car side. So it wasn't, it shouldn't be that they were physically able to outmuscle you. Yeah, but I suppose, as the lads alluded to there earlier, like, you know, we'd play Kerry in a Munster final and be rivalry in that, but there wouldn't be the intensity that there would be in Leinster or in Ulster at the time. Mm. Whereas, you know, we had to adjust to that then. And as you said rightly, physically, we were as big as them as that. We sort of weren't used to getting those hits. And I suppose, more particularly, I'd say as forwards, you know, forwards are, how would I say, they're probably pushed around a bit more. Defenders naturally take the physical. And I suppose, they worked on our forwards quite a lot, I would have felt like, mm-hmm. and they upset our rhythm and that sort of thing. But, you know, as time went on, Niall said they'd been on the road a bit longer, 86, and that we learned, you know, what hurts to make us stronger in terms of 87. We learned from all of that, and we learned that, you know, you just had to get tougher, and you had to fight your corner, whether you were the corner forward or whether you were the corner back, and sometimes you had to be a little bit nasty. Yeah. Um, Larry alluded to it earlier, and once we get into the nitty gritty of the game, I'll come back to the to the Colum O'Neill and going up on the train the day before. Niall, what are your memories now? And I know this is something I'm sure that is thrashed out and discussed with you many, many times. But if you're driving along in the car and you're on now, and you're thinking of the Saturday before that All Ireland final in 1990, September 15, you came up on the train. What was your general thought process on that day? Were you calm? Were you pumped? Were you confident? Uh, I would say, look, we'd been there before. You know what I mean? We had done the 87, we had done the 88, we had done the 89. This was was something like that was just every other year. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to last forever and that I'd be still there today. But like, all good things come to an end. But like, you know, the nerves on the Saturday before, the weekend before the the, 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 the 87, were they totally different in 1990? Absolutely. You know, 1990, I would have found out at an early stage that I wasn't going to play full-back, even though I wore number three, that I was picking up Colm O'Rourke. So I was driving around for a whole week, and all I was thinking of was Colm O'Rourke, or how I was going to deal with him, mm-hmm. or how he was going to deal with me. Mm-hmm. So that was it. I didn't worry about Conor Conahan, Larry Tompkins, Billy Morgan, anyone else. 
my whole thing was about Colm O'Rourke mm. and that was it did you sit on your own on the train on the way up can you remember the, who you sat with I would say there'd have been a gang of us from West Cork even though we all wore Cork jerseys and what have you and we were all like the, the thing about this like is that there was whatever was panel at 26 at the time was it lads Roughly, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, 24, was it? Yeah, 24, yeah. so, yeah, so yeah. would there have been 30 in the training panel, hardly? Like, we were we were family yeah. for the bones of a decade, yeah. you know. But you still had your kind of groups that kind of sat together. Mm. So the likelihood is Lord of Mercy and Mick McCarthy, the likes of Michael Maguire, John Cleary, you know, Larry... Conan, you would have been kind of an old. Um, <laughs> we kind of, you know, signed him up as well. Uh, you know, so you would have that, you know, and I can't remember the likelihood is because that group were along the line. Yeah. Some of them playing cards. I never played cards, so it didn't bother me. I probably just looked at. You mightn't remember it, but a few years ago, you and I, um, we had an old coffee together out in the Silver Springs. It was just after this man had been appointed. Cork manager and yes. I remember saying to you what are they getting and I'd love to produce this answer now because it was so rich and fabulous in detail what was the West Cork view of Conor Coonahan and that Cork squad your little clique as you said you brought you brought this blowing in from the outside kind of one of these quiet no nonsense kind of fellas oh yeah absolutely and they'd mangle you out there if I if you caught you with the shoulder like, mm-hmm. it was all over I can remember one night cutting through there on some stage and this fella stepped out from behind someone and I think I was broke up for about a month I couldn't go down at the time because I couldn't say I was going down okay. I reckon my collarbone and my fucking whole body was yeah. you know but that's what we you know lads there was training sessions out there and they were just as tough as any or backs and forwards things you know what I mean mm-hmm. Um, and, but I must say, looking back on it, like they were a great group. Mm. Uh, each and every one of them. A special group, yeah. really, when you Absolutely. look back on it. Connor, centre back play, but in particular in that season, what was your main preoccupation? Were you like Mr. Cahalan here? Were you just saying, I'm picking up David Beggy, this is my job? Or were you the more traditional centre back who says, "I've got to mind the centre, I've got to protect my full back line." Kind of have to like they, they had a very good inside line, like and, and like they pretended to play an awful lot of direct ball, and they were the guys that really did the damage. So like you find yourself dropping off a bit of times, like in that you know, um, the guys outside were kind of link players to three inside, like they were as good a full forward I know as yeah. you come across at any stage. And that's not saying the guys outside were a soft touch. They did their role too well, but the guys inside were the guys that were going to hurt you. Yeah, because in, like, again, I'm, I'm very conscious, as I said, lads, it's 30 years ago. When you think about that full forward line, O'Rourke, Stafford, Bernard, Flynn, I mean, what an all-star, Larry, full forward line to be dealing with. I mean, every one of them, not just a great one to win ball, but to take their own score. Yeah, they're, I'm sure, like, look, they're, Kerry produced a massive full forward line in the 70s and 80s, but like, equally made were... Very, very impressive. Like Bernard Flynn, O'Rourke, Stafford, like, you know, there were three of the best. But I think what was key for us in the Holler and Final, and just Connor mentioned it, is that our backs were superb. Like, yeah. like our half back line, like, I think in previous times, we might have kind of drifted up the field a little bit too much. And as Connor alluded to there, and he's, he's spot on, like, you can't give these guys inside that space in front of them because they will they just burn you. Like, and 
I think if you look at the Halern final, our midfield was superb, like with Che and Danny, uh, our half-back line, like, they were never beaten for a ball, and inside they were, like, Niall never gave a rook a sniff at it. Um, Stephen, like, it was probably the quietest ever Brian Stafford I've seen him in an Halern final, mm. and Tony Nation done a wonderful job in Bernard Friend, like, it was just, and, and of course, the Lord of Mercy and John Cairns, like, was superb in goal, like, but I think that that sector um, was was just massive. Every one of them were massive on the day, mm-hmm. and uh, you know to hold that forward line, particularly that full forward line, you know to hold them mm-hmm. takes some going. So fourteen men holding yeah. a team like that to nine points, yeah. which is in you know when it's Connor, it's an incredible stat even in itself when you look at it. If, I suppose as the conversation is going on, I keep going back to moments. And again, I, I, I mentioned Larry's book, but I'd rather maybe that you addressed it, Connor. Larry mentioned when he came into Cork, you know, when he came into his first training session. I don't know whether the two of you remember the night he came to his first training session. And I think himself and Billy Morgan had a conversation. And I think Morgan's general view was, look, fall in here. You mightn't be able to keep up with the lads. And I think Larry has a very different view of how it was afterwards in terms of like he might have been lapping a few fellas. But do you remember at a general level, Connor, the difference that... Shea, I know in the first instance, but then Larry actually made, not just to the actual team and its quality, but just to the actual whole, you know, ethos and work ethic in the group. I'm not sure about this conversation with Billy was now, to be honest with you, but look, I suppose, I, I remember Larry from back when he's Kildare days when, you know, when he played with Kildare and that's something, and I played in there one particular day above in Newbridge, where he was the, the pin-up boy at the time. <laughs> and I remember it was a hardy February morning, and the uh, match had hardly been played at all, and Larry came in, and the next thing the ball was uh, thrown in, and after about 10 minutes he came running at me, and I just kind of hit my ground, and the next thing he tried to run through me, and he banged, he hit me, but then he hit the ground, and he didn't get he didn't get up too fast. That he, he had to be taken off, and I got such a booing for the rest of the day from all the Kildare crowd that I was glad to get out of the place. But look, I mean, after that, we hadn't seen much of him because he obviously went to America, and then he, um, I remember New York came home, and he came home with them at the time, and we played below in Clannacilty, and. You know, as I said, I'd marked him that day above in uh, Kildare, and I said, sure, look, he'll be handy enough now anyway again. Like, so we were blowing kind of Italy playing this challenge game, and, you know, you have a fella sized up or so, you know, and I said, look, let him off, let him off. He won't kick it from there, he won't kick it. <laughs> and after three or four of them going over, you know, that was a bit, bit different there. So, uh, look, we knew at the time coming in that he was, a, a, you know, a very good player. You know, we knew he'd add something to the group. In terms of his own standards, he drove them and he tried to drive everyone mm. You know, Billy had driven us all along, but I think everyone brings something to the party. Exactly. And, you know, by anyone raising the standard, that helps us all. Mm. Shay, the, the final itself, the game day, I mean, Larry mentioned Danny Cullity and Shay Fahey, and I sat down and actually the other night and I watched the game from stim to stern again, I watched the entire game. Shea Fahey won the, ver- or sorry, Danny Cullity won the very first jump ball of the game. And again, probably wouldn't have been as well known as some of the other lads, would have been one of the new, the new additions to the side. Had an incredible game. But Shea Fahey, I just, I had forgotten the points he kicked that day. I was saying to you earlier, if it was a modern day coach and he saw some of the attempts he tried, and by the way, converted all four, he'd be saying like, what are you doing? Don't be trying things like that. Was it just one of those fantastic, memorable days 
for Shea he the midfielder? Oh, Shea shot the lights out the same day to his credit. But yeah. I, my recollection of it is coming up to that final, he was doing it in training. You know what I mean? I genuinely coming up to that final, that man was. What happened that day? He was actually doing it in training. Really, you know. So the the, the four pints or whatever he got that day from all angles. Yes, was was actually happening for three weeks before the you know out here at training or wherever we, you know. So it wasn't. No, the modern day fella I'd probably say. It, it wouldn't happen today because you wouldn't be allowed to do the training anymore. No, no. It just wouldn't. But that performance didn't come out of the blue, so as such. No, that he was a he. That man had, was peaking at that stage. Yeah. Genuinely, was no. And can you remember, Larry? Who else was lifting? You know, because you always get the whispers the week before in All Ireland. Such such as lifting and training, and like, was there? Was there, do you have that thought in your head of who was going well and who wasn't? I just think I think generally I think the team was so focused going into that final. I think everyone was and and, and everyone was really preparing themselves like for the battle ahead. Mm. You know, I talked there about Colum and Eel, like Colum like was you you'd say either the life was switched on or switched off like, yeah. with Colum like and, and I remember getting off the train station and Billy asking me how was Colum coming up in the train and I said he didn't speak a word to me. And uh, and Billy said, Is that a good or a bad thing? I said, I don't know, I'll let you know tomorrow after the game. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, um, I can't imagine, like, like, well, talk of the panel of players, like, was just incredible. Like, um, like 1990, like, a lot of people don't realise, like, we played uh, the Munster final uh, with six players uh, that were missing from 89, like, mm. like, Denny Allen had retired, and then there was five other players that played in the Allen final in 89, couldn't play because of injury. And he carried by 17 points. Yeah, so, like, that would tell you like the, the 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 standard of the of the of the class of players that was sitting on the line. Like you, you had, you know, Mick McCarthy was finding it hard maybe to make the team, John Cleary, John O'Driscoll, Paddy Hayes. Like you could wanna go on, like, yeah. like these, these are wonderful players, like and you know, they went out there that day again Kerry and they just showed like that what they can do. You know, there's another man like that just missed out on and winning the double Dennis Walsh. Like Dennis gave incredible service to the football team. Like I seen him here now, Teddy might be in a bit different I have a slagging but at that time, as the, the hurlers used to train first and then the footballers would be training afterwards. But Dennis would do the full amount of training with the hurlers and then straight away full amount with the footballers. And Teddy, that maybe often said to Billy, my foot is a bit sore there, I'll take, <laughs> I'll take it easy there or something. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'd love to mention him there because, like, you know, he's, he's, he's getting massive service in for his club, like, right through. Like, mm-hmm. he, he never let his own. And particularly against Kerry, he was outstanding, like, Mm, and mm. the bomber had always said Jesus, like he was one guy he, he found it very hard to mark you know yeah I'm just wondering Niall um, the Cullum O'Neill incident and it, it you know it, it has been well ventilated over the years and it's been on YouTube and it was a nothing incident and in fairness as Larry said to me the other day Mick Lines didn't make a big deal of it Paddy Russell was in yeah. you're gone and that's all very well but I'm just wondering Given everything that you've said already and given the focus and the preparation, the fact that it was all about Mead, like, how much of a blow is that when, at that st- I think you were 6-3 ahead maybe at the time, I could be wrong, why are you in 6-4, I know it was 6-5 at half time to Cork, but can you remember at the, mo- at the time, Niall, just in terms of the thought process yourself or were you just too preoccupied with a role? I was too preoccupied probably at my own little job yeah. at the time, but... Like, looking back on it, you know, 
I suppose, was I worried at the time? Or you, no, you know, I, I still believe we were bankers. Uh, mm. If Cullum had stayed on the field, I reckon we would have tarred them. Really? We'd have absolutely wiped the floor with them. Genuinely. It just made it a tighter game, and it was a very different game from our point of view. You know what I mean? Forwards had to work a lot harder. We, scores were hard to come by. Mm. Um, I'm fully convinced we'd have beaten them by as much as we beat Kerry in the Munster final. Because? we, it, The whole thing was so right. Yeah. And but it yet, just changed the... The dynamic of yes. the day. Yeah, because Connor, I mean, we were talking earlier, and it, you know, again, it just shows how things have changed. I'd probably argue, and you might even admit yourselves, that maybe you didn't take advantage of the extra man in 88 when Jerry McEntee was sent off. Would it be fair to say that Meath and Meath management probably didn't get the most out of their extra man in that 1990 final? Yeah, it's possible, but look, I suppose trends change and the game evolves. Like if you look at today and you look at the sweeper system, as I've mentioned to you recently, I see sweepers standing in, uh, you know, on the edge of the 21-yard line and they're over and back. And they're no way effective, like... Mm. You know, so, uh, yes, me should have got more out of it, like, but I'm saying to you, these things happen on a day, like, and, you know, things happen for us on that day, she had a marvellous day, but I suppose we were probably entitled to that, we, we had, remember we'd gone three years against me, three All-Irelands and nothing out of it, like, so, we were, the clock was bumped to turn at some stage, and yes, there's no doubt in terms of our preparation, being mental, physical and everything, we were in a very good place. Mm, and just you, that, that dressing room at half-time that day, I mean, I've read in Larry's book what it was like, and he even said there earlier, he doesn't even remember sitting down that day. What's your recollection of that 10-minute sus after the O'Neill sending off? It's highly emotionally charged. Like you're, you're out there, you're, as I said, you've all that disappointment behind you, and you're going out there now for 35 minutes. And like sometimes you're driven by the fear of failure. You're, like there yeah. are times when it comes into your head oh my god no not again this can't happen like and that can make you or break you now on the day it worked out well for us as the fellow said but you know um, emotionally charged issues you know they're fine but you have to have a certain control and mm. you have to have a certain focus in them because otherwise you lose the plot and maybe in previous years we lost the plot we got dragged into physical stakes when we shouldn't have been but look, this day it, it went okay for us. I think that's a great point. I mean, I'll, you know, Connor spoke there about the fear, the fear of losing. I mean, in many ways, sometimes that fear of losing can actually be almost more consuming than the excitement of winning. Absolutely. You know, can't you? Yeah, no, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Can you remember that halftime dressing room? Very little. To really? be honest, very little about the halftime dressing room. Uh, because you were in your own world? I probably had was in my little world now. Yeah. That, you know, I was nearly counting every step my men are doing, counting every step I should take. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that was fine, and that's, that's, like, my whole attitude that day was that I really didn't care mm. if I hadn't handled that ball once. Mm. Once our work hadn't put the ball over the bar. Yeah. Or once he hadn't contributed in some little way to make you a goal. Or, you know what I mean? Um, because for a number of years he had hurt us, you know what I mean. Yeah. And he was a decent forward. Ah, he was and more. He was decent. a much better footballer. He was more than decent. <laughs> and, and in he, actual fact, and he was a much better footballer than what I was as well. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, no. But I do remember because I knew, I knew obviously you were part of our, our chat today. And the, your very first instance, and I'm, you know, some cornerbacks or some defenders, this could have really got into their head. Ball came in. 
he won the ball. You were actually around him, free given very quickly in attacking free for Mead, and you're trotting away there, kind of going hands out, kind of going ref. I don't, you know, does that play with your head at all? Is this ref now going to, you know, give Rourke soft freeze for the day? Because if he is, I'm going to have a long day. Uh, yeah, all that goes through your head. There's no doubt about it. Mm. You know, but you're out there and it's a lonesome spot inside in that corner or anywhere else in Crow Park as well. So you had just to get the deal with it and get on with it. Yeah. Connor, in terms of the full back line that you had behind you, we've spoken already and Larry has mentioned as well about that Cork defence. I mean, you obviously grew together and I don't mean grew just in terms of like, you know, you grew as a unit together. So by the time you had got to that 1990 All-Ireland Final, how comfortable were you in dealing with, which was probably the best inside forward line, whatever, about the best six forwards in the country? Yeah, well, look, I, I suppose, no, it'll be the first time admitted, like the people outside, they put the pressure on and, and stopped the quality of the ball coming in. Like, but, like, this was physically strong, you know, like he had a fierce power in the shoulders. And O'Rourke had that as well, but, like, he could probably get inside his head as well. Like, Stephen at fullback, like, you know, Stephen was powerful, strong again. Mm. And Stephen was an exceptional footballer. Exceptional like, player. Tony was probably teed up for Bernard Flynn. Small, tidy, cute. Like so, you know, it fell well. It fell well for us in terms of the lineup, and, and the management got that right. Like so, mm. we were we were we were in a good place there. You know, maybe maybe over years it didn't fall as well for us, but like we had learned, and as Neil said, O'Rourke had hurt us in the past. Like, but. And you see, if you could get Hat O'Rourke and knock him back a bit, then that deflated him a bit. Like, cause they, they did look up to him. He was the talisman, yeah, wasn't he? You know, yeah. And if you could stop that, you were a long way down the road. Like, mm. Were you conscious of saying now? I would have been reasonably conscious of that, right, in fairness now. Yeah. You know, but, but looking back on the whole thing, like, we were down to 14. They weren't playing their extra men or they weren't going to play their extra men in the full forward line. It wasn't like as if we had to no. mark a, a fort. But the pressure that was put on on me not to get quality ball into that full forward mm. line that day was unreal. You know what I mean? It certainly makes your job easier mm. um, because there had to be extreme pressure put on out the field further where they had the extra, you know, the extra men or whatever. Um so was I conscious of him? Yeah, I was, sure. Larry, there was no stage. I was going to say, you know, and I nearly stepped into a cliche there and said, at what stage in the second half do you begin to think this could be on? But you never think like that. When you're in the white heat of a game, you never think that this could be on. But again, watching the game the other night and taking notes, John Cairns' save... I'm saying it was from Liam Hayes. Was it from Liam Hayes or was it no? Liam Hayes set up Stafford. Yeah, Stafford yeah. yeah, I mean, in fairness, Liam Hayes, powerful run. Yeah. Serious pace now for a big man. Went through, popped the pass to Stafford. If you remember, and I'm nearly right in saying this, lads, Cairns made a very similar save from Anthony Finnerty in the 1989 final. I actually think even at the same end of the field. At that stage, I think there was only two or three in it. Like, if you were looking for pivotal moments, that was a key. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt. Uh, even back to '89, that was a pivotal moment when Finnerty plays wide. Uh, we were glad. I thought it was in the top corner. I, I, I was looking at it from the other end, but I was glad to see it going wide because we were in a nervous situation that time. Because after losing the All Ireland Finals years before, like uh, it was a critical stage of the game. But there is incidents that happened during the course of the games, and I suppose Mead were always the team like that. 
I used to say to them, geez, when they used to look up at the clock when 10 minutes to go, they just were like a, just like a, an army coming at you. Mm-hmm. They just seemed to just pile it on at that time. Like, and they have won so many games, like in the last 10 minutes, it showed. You know, they had massive character in themselves, like that, you know, they go down to the wire with every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I, I stayed like that our backs were superb, like, and, and uh, our midfield, like, they, they were just dominant that day. And, uh, like that was really the backbone of our victory. But look, you can never, you can never, until that final whistle is blown again, made, mm. you, you can never say that you had a one. Yeah. And uh, I just think that the, the tension, even in the crowds, and even people that are in Hill 16, the car crowd, that tell you like that, you know, the tension was, was unbearable. Like. Mm. And uh, it was similar on the field. You just, you just got on with it and you just battled for every ball and you tried to do your best. and. Uh, you know, it was it was one of those games. wasn't high scoring, but there was a lot of intensity yeah. in it. I mean, there was no comfort. Well, there never is, and there never should be Connor in an Ireland final. But there was no comfort. Obviously, there was no goal. It it was it was one of those. I mean, suffocating as Larry says, there wasn't it all Ireland finals where you knew that one mistake could change the course of history. Oh yeah, and look, that had happened to some previous years. I remember '87 was a Christie or Jimmy had a great chance yeah. of a goal. Yeah. We missed it. Game turned eight. First game we should have had won. Second day we had opportunities, didn't take them. And like all of this is building up in you all the time and saying, Are we ever going to do it like? Hmm. Eleven points to seven, which again I think people forget. I just think you know, when we talk about the double I think Cork going four points ahead, Niall, in a second half with a man down, I think in fairness shows you know, shows the level of, of the side in, in terms of every footballing kind of thing and every footballing quality that you have. But around that time, this man ended up going for a ball underneath the Hogan stand, I think with Martin O'Connell, stretched out his leg, did his cruciate. I don't know, Larry, did you say it to anybody at the time? Niall, were you aware what was happening? Had, were uh, any of you actually were? Your biggest concern at the time was you were going to be whipped off? What is he... Mick McCarthy had just gone down five minutes before that and of course Dr. Khan came on and, and uh, Mick was after having a wonderful first half and um, he just whipped him off the field like and I suppose I said to myself I better get up here quick yeah. uh, or Khan will do the same to me but um, But did you know Lara at the time? Like, I you, knew I was in serious trouble yeah it was, look it was just a challenge a fair challenge both of us went for the ball Martin got there uh, before me and I just happened to put my foot in try to to win the ball and I just I went one way and my knee decided to go the other way so yeah. uh, I just hopped up off the ground and I just you just try to just put it in the back of your mind and just try and drive on you know and are you too modest to mention the fact that you kicked two frees afterwards over the bar but what about the one to Larry Tonk or to Shea Fahey for his fourth point tell us about that <laughs> well I think the two frees I got were quite easy enough um, but um the sideline ball, it was towards the sideline, and I suppose, like maybe in another instant, maybe I might have went for it. But look, um, I just seen Shea free, and he was just having one of those days like this. Mm. It just felt like this everything he kicked was going to go over. But uh, Shea showed very well for the ball, and I just gave it to him. And thanks be to God, he turned it and I just put it sweetly over. over the bar. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Mick McCarthy, Niall, a fellow West Cartman, as you say, sadly, no longer with us. And again, one of the many takeaways I took from watching it over again it was he was on fire 
He was on fire in the first half. And the great thing for Yee was when he did go off, John O'Driscoll made a big, big, big impact when he came on. Yeah. Mick McCarthy, tell us a little bit about Mick McCarthy as a forward and how dangerous. Because Skib Castlehaven, you must have played him hundreds of times. Yeah, I wouldn't say hundreds of times, but enough of times to know that he was quite dangerous and quite good and it, it, it done what it said in the tin. Yeah. You know what I mean? In fairness now. Uh, Mick wasn't a, a Colm O'Rourke or one of these fellas that were six foot two or three, but he had an unbelievable turn of pace. He had a great football brain, um, and the minute he won his ball, you know there was one thing: he was going for goal. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, two good feet, two good feet, mm. um, and an extraordinary, an, an unusual man. Mick always felt he could get fit in two weeks, <laughs> and he could. Right, you know. Um, uh, he wouldn't he, well the rest of us would be slogging Mick would be kind of taking it nice and tidy and saying that you can get fit in two weeks but like in fairness he was he was an, a marvellous footballer and had a marvellous football you you see fellas there are marvellous footballers maybe you'd say yeah but you know they, but he had a marvellous football brain as well mm-hmm. you know and Driscoll was an athlete Connor wasn't he I mean I remember he's, even his ability I know he was a very good basketballer and his ability even to get up off the ground, like, I mean, my recollection of him at the time was he was a fierce man to win his own ball in the air. Uh, yeah, look, John, was an exceptional talent. Like, just a pity, like, that he was so injury-ridden throughout the years. Like, I mean, he had been with G, you know, touring Australia and that sort of thing at 19 years of age, mixing it with the best of them, like, you know. But injury, we never saw his the true potential of the man. If he got a, a good run at it, like, he'd have been incredible. But like as you say, that day when he came on, like he has the power, like he's the strength in the mm. air, like you know, just but just one of the disappointing factors for me was that we never saw his true ability because of injury. Like. Yeah, yeah. I hope you're enjoying this kind of nostalgic look back at 1990 on September the 16th. Um, the fact that it is the 30th anniversary of Cork completing the historic double, and when I say historic, it is historic in the sense of when you actually look at a proper. A proper double. I know some people have mentioned stuff that happened over a century earlier when there was clubs involved. When you're actually talking about the modern GA world that we know it, there is only one side that has ever done this, and today is the 30th uh, anniversary of same. In case you're wondering as well what that thing at the bottom of the screen is, one of the other main reason we're chatting here today is because we are looking to raise funds for Marymount Hospice. Um, Niall's son Connor is driving a campaign at the moment idonate.ie forward slash go red for Cork the go red for Cork part is we are encouraging everyone on this day to wear red whether it's to work whether it's to training whether it's going for a walk whether it's going for a swim they can wear red trunks if they want but the main thing we're looking for is for people to whip open their wallets whip out the bit of plastic and make sure that you were donating something. This is a very special day, Niall, for Cork GA, but Marymount Hospice is a very special place. Absolutely. Um, I think there's very few of us at this table, lads, and, and, and out there, outside of here, that haven't had some experience, be it through friend, family, whatever, with Marymount. Um, the facilities out there and the people out there, the caring people get there, mm. uh, what have you, is just unreal. There's no doubt about it. And I, I suppose you, you go back to it like John Kearns had been mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Connor now would have had a, a, a neighbour, Kieran O'Connor, in, in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The Mary Mounts of this world 
to uh, people that are sick like that um, and the amount of funds it takes to keep the Mary Mounts of this world going mm-hmm. you know is is you know and, and if we can help in some little way to make people aware of that today mm-hmm. uh, that they'll go and they'll make their donation it's just marvellous yeah, because I mean palliative care Connor is a very traumatic phase of anyone's life and for obviously for that person as well and I have you know visited people in Marymount but in terms of the environment there in terms of the quality not just of the care but of the environment and actually insofar as it's possible at that advanced stage of someone's life to actually make them feel normal and that they're in a quality environment. I don't think, that's, there can't be many comparisons to it. No, no, I mean, as you said, the circumstances that people go in there and family go in there, you know, you just think, you know, this must be the darkest place ever, but the reality is it's far from that. Like, And I suppose that's a testament to the, the staff there and all the, all the people there. It's just phenomenal. Like, And, and to turn it around into positive, like... You, it, it boggles the mind like as to how they do it like. mm. so when you're finished watching us please please if you can log on to idonate.ie forward slash go red for cork the go red for cork is all one word should be very easy to remember and it should be just as easy when you think of what you are helping who you are helping to actually make a donation as I said it's September 16th it's go red for cork day these men here, the reason we are even around the table is they created GAA history for this county. And going back to the game, Larry, you're going into the final 10 minutes. You know your cruciate is gone. How do you operate? Forget, like, it could be out in a training field. This was an All-Ireland final in front of whatever number of thousand people in Crow Park. Do you just knock it out of your head? Are you actually saying, I can only play a certain level away? I can't move? Because they do say with a cruciate that after the initial thing, that it actually deadens up a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose I'm a, an expert on the cruciate because I, I a similar one a few years uh, later in '93 playing for my club, Castle Avon. So uh, I had two of them done. But um, yeah, you get it ferocious pain for a few minutes, and then all of a sudden, then you feel like that you can, you know, it's back to normal. You're fine, mm. uh, but it's not. It's you know, naturally the most unstable thing with when you do your crochet is like that turning and twisting. Um, you just basically can't do it. It's just unstable. Your ligament is gone and uh, that protects your knee joint. But look, you're in the adrenaline of an all and final. Like it's, you know, everything kind of goes out the window like as regards pain, suffering, whatever it is. And look, mead were in front of us, weren't they? Mm. So <laughs> that's as good as excuse as any to just battle on. And you were very quick to mention the fact that I'm from Kerry, and I thank you for that. And what we do have, Noel, as you well know, is that we have dreadful stars, or scars, I should say, not stars. We have dreadful scars about being two points ahead in an All-Ireland final with history on the line. And in the latter stages of the 1990 final, Meath clip over two points. Suddenly we go from 11-7 to 11-9, and they've got the extra man. Yes. Are you then beginning to think to yourself, hold what we have, cram the middle? Yeah, you're turning behind. You're looking up at the canal end and you're looking to see is it five to five yet or where are we? 
that was the telltale sign. Time for a point. That was the telltale sign. That was the telltale sign. I actually <laughs> never knew whether there was five minutes left, ten minutes left, or what was left. But if you actually turned behind you and you got that little bit of glimpse at that clock, and if it said five to five, Jays, you were in overtime at that stage, no leads, and you were. Yeah. It was. It was up to Paddy Russell at that stage. But at, uh, genuinely, oh, no. are you oh, not look? Were you not absolutely. looking for Paddy Russell's whistle? Oh sure, of course. I've no doubt about it. Like, yeah. you know, there's there's no doubt about it that that two point lead, like you would actually have been better off if it was one, yeah. because you know what I mean. And 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 we had seen it before then, yeah. you know. And how many times have we seen it since? Yeah. And are you conscious, Connor, of that? Are you conscious of conceding the goal, or are you conscious of the fact? Oh no, here come me again. It's kind of fleeting through your mind for a split second, like but you're saying. Push that away, no, we gotta get it, we gotta get out of here, we gotta do this, whatever way we do it, mm. this can't happen again. Like, but there's no doubt, certainly in my mind, it would have fleeted through, you know. What would have? It would have fleeted through the fact that this goal could happen and we yeah. could be back to where we were 87, 88, replays of everything, like, and yeah. this is my whole world over us. Well, you know what, all jokes aside, I mean, and I know, you know, when we talk about Marymount, we're talking about a different level of, you know, crisis and worlds ending and that kind of stuff, but. In a sporting sense, for you as a Cork footballer, that would have been the finish of it. I mean, if you had actually conceded, or even if it had gone, Niall, as you say, to a replay, it would have felt like a defeat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Look, I mean, 88 was like that. Whether we like it or not, looking back in hindsight, no. I mean, we had what we had, 8-7, dubious free, 8 all, and you kind of said, no, we're, you know, we went out to replay. They came with a tactical, let's hit them hard. Mm ball them over and we got dragged into it and next thing sending off which didn't really help us mentally we were a bit weak at that point yeah well, that was the was that the year Larry that Dr Con was bawling crying in the dressing room afterwards because he knew as, as Connor was saying that the chance was gone yeah I think yeah. Niall and, and Dr Con were having a conversation I think Dr Con was in tears the first day but Niall was wondering why he was crying do you remember that? <laughs> Con cried in every dressing in this country. Well, I, I tell you a good story. And I, I don't mind telling the public that now. Yeah. I tell you a good story about Con. In 87, I was captain, of course. This was going to be my, my big day, as the fellow said. So Con said his father had wore the scapular in 45, and that scapular was given to Billy in 73. So I said, Will you wear it in, in, uh, in 87? So I said, I would. I'd have worn anything if I thought we'd get us over the ground. And yes, listen. Uh, that was fine, so I wore the scapular and into the match. Devastated. I'd been on Colin Coyle and we changed jerseys and whatever. Um, at rock bottom and kind says, where's the scapular? When he see me with Colin Coyle's jersey on, so nothing to do, only way to go into the meat jersey, oh, get Colin Coyle and get the scapular off the jersey. And you went into a winning dressing room. Exactly. A fairly low in my life. And I, 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 I reckon that was when the cameras followed him into the dressing room after all Ireland. Oh, you know, stop, there was a time. Stop. Now it's not. Yeah. There was a time there in the 70s and 80s what? when the cameras actually went into the dressing room. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd say that was. Yeah. You know, did you get the scapula back? Oh, we got the scapula back. We did. Did you, did you wear it in It was high in my charity list, I tell you. Needless to say, he didn't give it to me in 1990. Like. The final whistle goes, lads. 11 points to 9. I'm presuming, Larry, you're not thinking of the double. You're not probably even thinking, 
of the fact that you've won the All-Ireland because you had won it the year before. You're actually thinking to yourself, thank Christ we fell over that line. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, I've fallen over the line. That's a bit harsh. Well, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that team deserved it. Yeah. I think they really deserved it. And I was just, I suppose, it was, it was the journey that we wanted. It was the team that we wanted. It was just, it, it just... You know, it proved to everybody like that we were an outstanding team, mm. and I think it would have been unjust to that team if we didn't have the opportunity of beating Mead. Like, and and that's the respect that I certainly have for Mead as a team that we beat the, the giant along the way. The, the Tovas were the giants, and we got our opportunity to do it. Um, just when the final whistle blows, look, you, you don't think you just the crowd that time the crowd evades the pitch and. Um, mm. You're just swarm with, with everybody on the field like supporters. It's just an incredible feeling. Like, and I suppose your emotions and and what you have achieved doesn't really kind of come together for a, a number of hours, or maybe even the next day. Uh, particularly when we were kind of on our way back down to to Cork the next day, I think mm-hmm. it really sinks in the the magnitude of the victory. And I suppose for me, it was just uh, you know, it was, I was just thrilled for that Cork team to get over the line again Mead and mm-hmm. to really prove themselves as an outstanding team. No, I mean I've obviously Niall been never lucky enough to be in that position, but I know I've spoken to enough of players who say that the special moments are when you actually finally do actually get together again on your own without the masses around you. Do you do you remember that at the time? I mean you mentioned about the fact of you were a family at that stage. Was it the train the following day? Because obviously the night of the All Ireland back in those days, you know I don't know where you went that time. I think you were in Malahide that time. Malahide, right? yeah. Bedlam, was, I presume. Was that the night that the, the, the two motorbike cops? Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, are they crash. still out there? Yeah, the <laughs> what were they on numbers? Tell us again. <laughs> the, the, we, we got a, an escort from um, the Burlington to Malahide. That was always the way you got your escort, your gad escort, yeah. or whatever. And in, 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 in fairness to the two boys, there are two or three of them there. Two boys, two. Two of them on duty that gave us the escort out. So we, we insist, they had actually, I think they were the same guys that escorted us from Croke Park after the game. Possibly, yeah. Um, possibly. Or maybe even on the way to the game as well. That was always the, yeah, the go that time. Yeah, the day, yeah. And sure, we couldn't let it be said that the boys wouldn't come in and kind of, you know, maybe have a take part in a little bit they were they were a part of the machinery at that stage yeah and um i can remember leaving malahide at about five o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning and one of them attempted to get up on the bike anyway and the thing fell over and the bike fell over the, or he fell over he didn't get to start the bike like, like the innocence of that and like yeah. these guys if they're still out there somewhere like we had some night with them and they were gas company um but like if something had happened today, let's choose. So. And the, where, you There'd never found out where they were from. There'd be some government minister losing his job. Were they or something like that? that? No, <laughs> I can assure you. Yeah. I'd be surprised if they were Kerry men. I think they might be in West of Ireland. Let him straight. I think they might have been West of Ireland, Johnny. Yeah. You never touched a drop of drink in your life, so do you, you must remember everything about that night, do you? Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I know what he's supposed to look like. Ah, that isn't that, drink. <laughs> that type of day, like that moment, is, look, it's just one of relief as much as any. But I suppose equally, it's relief for yourself and for your team. But 
all the people that followed you all along, like, you know, they shared in the heartache, the supporters, and look, some supporters can be very fickle, but there's an awful lot of really loyal, genuine people, like, and, like, they were broken hearted coming out of and there, 87, 88, and you had family and extended yeah. family, like, you know, it was mm. just... And you go back into the 80s, lads, there was a lot of unemployment in this country. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of people and struggled, in, and in Cork, struggled particularly to get to Dublin for an All Ireland weekend. It wasn't like you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, Great point. And and you know, hadn't a lot in their pocket. Mm. We had fit all in our pocket ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. You know what I mean. And those people got to Dublin, booked their accommodation, fucking stayed here, there, and everywhere. You, you know, yeah. um, and the disappointment of of defeat. You know, all of that, and the next day you came down the road, you know, so when you have it kind of good, you know, mm. you have to kind of embrace it. And and did that victory, Larry, close the circle for that team? I mean, you mentioned there, it was the All-Ireland you wanted against the opposition you wanted. Um, and you, this that was your fourth All-Ireland in a row. Now, that's, that's a fair bit of mileage on the clock. Like, I suppose the question that's always asked in this is, was there more in the group? Looking back now, 30 years later, was there more? Or did you squeeze the last drop out on that day in September 30 years ago? I don't think we squeezed it out. I, 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 actually, I, I, I had an operation. I was over action for quite a while. Probably the lads might be able to answer it a bit better, but I just felt 91 was a, was a giveaway to carry, mm. you know, uh, I just felt down in Killarney like that we were way a better team in Killarney in, uh, than Kerry and you just can't let Kerry back into it like and I just feel like that maybe it was just winning the All-Ireland uh, the, 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 the celebrations and, and different things and maybe it's, it's hard to say that we were we complacent again Kerry and Killarney because it wouldn't have been a great Kerry team no, in my no, recollection no, like, the time. it, it yeah. was just a sad day because you know and all honestly, like we should, we should have won that game easy if we were right in the heads. You know what I mean? But um, it was just a pity, and that was probably the start of maybe leaking Kerry back in a little bit. Mm. And uh, but Cork and massive talent, uh, we could have gone further. Like remind me again what John Corcoran again, the late John Corcoran, said in the Munster final. Now you'll enjoy this. You know, <laughs> good old John, no longer with us. That Munster final when you beat Kerry by whatever it was, 15, 16, 17 points. There was a famous phrase coined that day that's been thrown at me more than once, by the way, in the meantime, around Grounds and Cork. Yeah, look, uh, I suppose John would be known as Bozo, and uh, look, John was a fan, uh, as the lads have mentioned there, like, like we were lucky as three people here today that have been out there between the white lines and playing in so many big games and uh, representing Cork, like, you know, lots of people don't get that chance and that opportunity. And like we've met massive people uh, that follow the game through thick and thin to come to training sessions. They're, you know, John was one of these guys like that just was a fanatic. He loved West Cork. He loved Cork. And look, he loved his few points as well. And he was very informed too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that particular day, he was sitting beside my brother actually at the Monster final. And of course, he was after having a good few scoops inside my place before he came up here to the Munster final. And of course, he had a few more scoops inside the Beamish room and took his seat anyway beside my brother anyway. But the game was flying for Cork. We were well ahead. And 
I suppose the, the Kerry crowd would say they were trying to beat the traffic back, but they, they left the ground with about 15, 20 minutes to go. They had seen enough, but uh, John didn't need a microphone like to, to get the message across to the crowd. So up he stood and with the loudness of his voice, he said, shut the gates and let them suffer. <laughs> and the exact same thing now happened to me. Do you remember about three, four, maybe actually more years ago, the Cork Under 21s hosed Kerry in Park Ring. Yeah. And I genuinely had to leave. I had, to, I had to go to work or something. And you know, it's, when you sit up in the stand in Park Ring, it's very obvious stand like. And the first thing, of course, that was said is shut the effing gates and make him watch, you know. So, but Kerry, I suppose, weren't, shouldn't have been the most of your troubles. I mean, I'll ask you actually, Niall, first, because as I said, Larry wasn't involved in 91. Was there a sense of the end of an era in 1990 or should there have been more? We probably got complacent in unknowns to ourselves. Mm. There is no doubt about it. Cork were after winning a double, sure, like we... I certainly gave a whole winter that I, it was kind of where we had this weekend, we in Castledown Bay or we in, in Charleville, you know what I mean? You could be anywhere. Uh, you could be anywhere. Uh, I even got to go to London, mm. you know. Um, so we definitely probably unknowns to ourselves. I We probably got a bit complacent, but looking back on it, that, that was kind of going to... No, mm-hmm. back then it's it's structured a way different nowadays. The whole thing is, you know what I mean. It's it's um, like back then we had Billy and four selectors looking after us. Yeah, not there's even there's an army. No, there's about there's there's about thirty fellas. There's nearly a fell at every player to mind him, look after him, cajole him. Where did you actually get to holiday that year? Where were you brought? We got in Morocco. Did we? Was it? Was it? Was it Morocco? Well, we were. Ah, oh, no, maybe not. Nineteen eighty, you went to. Um, uh, you got a trip to Toronto, wasn't it? Yeah, we went to Toronto on car corners and footballers playing in the Sky Dome against. Um, okay. The Oster. Um, yeah. You didn't go back to the same hotel so on the Canaries that you'd befriended the Mead boys in a year or two earlier. Well, that, was, that was eighty-eight, Connor, wasn't yeah. it? Like, yeah, eighty-eight. Yeah, we yeah, kind of. Uh, so that time you see. When did we hit Morocco? So. I don't, know. I don't know. I think that would have been uh, maybe later on in the 90s, but um, I think 88, uh, there was no big trips to Australia or New Zealand or America. Yeah. At that time, you went to the Canaries, like, and, and yeah. there was a certain period of time in January where it was vacant, maybe, that you could go because of the National League fixtures and different things. So it happened in Mead and Cork were such good friends, Tony, that we decided to go to the same place at the yeah. same time. And so, didn't talk to each other for a week. Well, look, uh, I had come back from America and, and like, uh, I think Billy had given maybe an ultimatum to, or, or I don't know what he said to the players, but he, he kind of was saying, like, to, not to talk to him, not to talk to him. So, look, uh, uh, I was going to talk to him anyway, and I said it to Billy, so, yeah, like, I had known him all my life, so I wasn't going to go behind his back and, and, and kind of, you know, be talking to me lads behind his back without saying it to him, so. It seems mad now, I suppose, 30 years later, but I suppose at the time... I don't, I don't, and I, I don't remember that conversation at all, yeah. like, but I, I do remember in, in 80, when we I are think I sent off that year, like that, uh, I remember being at the reception the following day, and I remember being inside the gins with, with Dr. Connor, and Johnny walked in and Con gave him a fair old blast, and he went, yeah. you know? But, like, you know, to be fair to Johnny, got over it, and I remember... You know, he left 
he went to Florida the following year at Sage or he did out to do some medicine uh, mm-hmm. thing out there and I remember eighty nine, you know, he sent a postcard back to like, and, and the, the relationships you know, we have good relations with a lot of those lads since. So, mm. well, it was very black and dark, you know, but there was a silver lining my, in it too. My recollection of the Mondays afterwards, we always had a great Monday with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, no, we were in the, we were on the losing great, side like, twice, huh? Your recollection might be great. <laughs> ah, would have been okay now. No, a certain element. At what point? Know, there'd have been three or four now, like we'd have had a, we, us okay. groupies would have joined their company and, sure. you know what I mean? And in fairness, I remember in 90, Lions saying only that we had joined them in 87 and 88. You know, with Lions and McEntee and Harland. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and, like, and he said he wouldn't have come in. Yeah. Uh, only that we had um, kind of joined their company on the Monday at the old function afterwards. Well, I mean, we're talking again, and I, I want to mention again, Mary Mount. You know, we're talking about battles. I mean, it's a completely different battle that people who um, use the services of the Marymount Hospice are in. And as I said, if you look at the bottom of your screen, I hope that um, little icon is still there. And if you can't read it, what we are looking at is we are looking for donations to Marymount Hospice on this special day for Cork GA. And there's a very strong relationship, not just between Cork GA, but between GA and Marymount Hospice idonate.ie forward slash go red for Cork. Conor Cunahan, one last question for you. You have one fantastic achievement. I'm sure I should have done the stats on this and I should know how many players have won All-Irelands and then gone on to manage their, their county. I don't know how many it is. I'm guessing it's probably something less than 10 what is the, you know, the difference between managing an All-Ireland and playing and winning in an All-Ireland? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that the managing is nowhere near as enjoyable. I know, look, I, I suppose, look, for every player, it's, it's out there playing as much as all about. Managing is a whole different kettle of fish, you know, you're, you're facilitating other people to achieve something, which there's a great buzz in that too, and particularly if you have a good, fortunate enough to have a good group of people, you know, when you have a group of 30 people working positively all in the same direction, you know, if you can get that into an organisation, then you have a very successful organisation. So you can be privileged at times to, to work with a group like that, but, you know, out there putting your heart and soul in it, like in, in front of 80,000 people, like, and, you know, some guys would be quite confident about that, like this fellow would be down there marching behind the arcade by his band and he'd be looking at so-and-so above and he'd be waving him and I'd be coming down the bus and we leave in the Burlington and I'd be saying, and I look out and you'd see a car crowd and they're waving flags and throwing back a few points. And you'd be saying, jeez, wouldn't I be better off out there with them now? Then going down here making an easy to me sitting in front of 80,000. Yeah. You know, so everyone is different. But look, um, we're fortunate enough at times to see both sides of it. Yeah, everyone. I think that's a good point, Niall, isn't it? That in a special group, and it's, it's very easy to look back now so many years later, everyone brings something different and something special to the table. There is no doubt about it. And, you know, I go back and I said it earlier, like, I gave a decade longer. Three times a week, let's. We would have had our trainings, a bit of grub afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like, going back on it, that that was kind of nearly family at the time. And I suppose, you know, it would be, we mentioned, we'll say earlier now, we mentioned um, John Kern's, Mick McCarthy, 
Lord of Mercy and told him. But if you go back then, thing like the kid Cronin passed away. Mm-hmm. Like he was a big part of that whole. Like the day a kid was going to tell me and give me a rope and I could feel absolutely shite. Mm-hmm. And if he told me, Jesus, you're in bad shape, I, w- I would definitely have walked away. Because no matter how bad I felt, <laughs> he'd rub me and he'd say, Jesus, you're in some shape. Like, you know? And then we had, uh, at the time, Dan Hoare. Dan was our, 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 our treasurer at the time. Like, Dan was the, 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 the guy that came in. And to his credit, you know, he... He was the first man by guard he nearly fought, which is to get your expenses in, in time, so he could, you know what I mean? Little things like that. He was, again, a, a great players man. And then the chairman at the time, for a number of years, Dennis Conroy, Lord of Mercy, I'm sure he was an enigma. You couldn't have only fought with Conroy. You know what I mean? And he was chairman of the Cork County Board. But like... It only took him a week to win a double. Like Conroy had an all saying that time when we... Um, I can remember when we walked off, and not insulting anyone or whatever, but we the, the time that we didn't finish the extra time against Dublin or whatever, and mm-hmm. like the whole thing, and, and we were having a pint outside at the nearly at the railway station in Ryan's and Dublin were putting the ball in the back of the fucking empty net, and no car players there, and our chairman that day got nearly trained down, Lord of Mercy and Con Murphy Senior, and. Um, he got an early train. He was disgusted that we wouldn't uh, actually go and pay the extra time. Conroy was the vice chairman. We were coming over the bridge there, heading for the railway station, and our doctor of the day, consistent, I suppose, Dennis, you're now, uh, you know, acting chairman of the Cork County Board, and uh, he turned around like he was nearly blown over the bridge, and he said about such a time too it was like. Yeah. So he, yeah. he, you know, that man was chairman at the time, and, and yeah. I can remember after the All Ireland in 1990, after the footballers winning. Like his big saying was like it took a hundred years and Conrad in two weeks. Yeah. You know? So we had all those characters that all lads within reason now, all those fellas contributed. Wow. There was either a bit of fun, there was a you, you know, um and you know, we're fortunate that we're here today thirty day, thirty years on. Mm. Some of them are less fortunate. The final word to the captain on the day. A lot has happened in your life. You've all got married. You've all had children in the meantime. Is it, is it something that you still mark out, Larry, as one of the more special achievements of your life as much as your career? So look, uh, I suppose my journey has been, I suppose, never set out on the kind of the, the journey that happened for me, but I've just been so privileged to, first of all, end up in Cork and to play with a magnificent club like this. You know, you just couldn't, you just couldn't buy the entertainment and the, the mm-hmm. thrill and the excitement that I got from my club, uh, Castlehaven, and then just to be part of the this Cork team was just extra special. Like, and I was just, I hope I contributed something. Uh, I was just another cog. You know, people it, it still say today that myself and Shea planned it coming down together, but that wasn't the way I knew Shea. Like, uh, you know, since I was sixteen years of age in, in Kildare, like we played all the way up. And it was just magnificent to, to meet him after a good few years on a train going up to play my first game for Cork. So, look, I just couldn't, uh, money couldn't buy the, the enjoyment like, that I've got. And very privileged to the outstanding support of, of everybody in Cork. Like, and uh, I was never deemed to be a blow-in or anything like that from the world go. And um, I just have met massive people and I just want to thank them for the support of my business as well as everything else. Like, mm-hmm. has been tremendous. So... 
Look, it's great, and we, we talk about uh, charities and Marymount, you know, uh, the lads have hit and mentioned it there a good bit. You know, the number of times I've been out there seeing people, uh, you know, it's it's just fantastic to just go out there and see the breath of fresh air that, that, that people give those people to come in there to get treated. It's just uh, magnificent. So anyone out there, just, you know, dig deep, contribute, because you'll feel better after. Yeah, and I, I, I think I'd like to just echo that, sorry, Niall, by just saying that, I mean, talk is cheap in one way and everybody, you know, can throw out um, words and say this, that and the other, not just Niall about footballers or hurlers, not just about teams and not just about Marymount Hospice. I mean, the bottom line, and you just mentioned the word there, you know, resources are what these places actually need and people, I suppose, don't kind of probably have a full appreciation of it until there's a family connection or they're in there to visit somebody and they come out of it and I'm not exaggerating and I'm not being patronising in any way to saying it I think they're almost awestruck at what the staff do in out in Marymount so as I mentioned one last time idonate.ie forward slash go red for Cork the last word to you Conor Coonan yeah no look I think you, you said it all there Tony it isn't until you're in the situation yourself that you realise it but there are just so many people been put into that situation that, you know, I think everybody will respond positively to this. And we're 30 years behind the double. We're living in the now. There's people depending on these facilities. So, as Larry said, look, do the best you can. Anything will help. Well, I'd like to say a very special thanks to Parky Cueve, to Cork GA, to Kevin O'Donovan and Sinead O'Keefe who set this up today. If we haven't bored the pants off you, remember, there's another programme coming up on the Irish Examiner website, looking back with Anthony Daly at the All-Ireland hurling final victory that year against Galway, not just the final, of course, but the entire campaign. And Dalo will be looking back and reminiscing in the company of that year's captain, Tomás Mulcahy, Kevin Hennessy and Teddy McCarthy. So I think, if nothing else, you are going to be guaranteed lots of lively conversation. But for now, from myself, from Larry, from Niall and from Conor Cunahan, thanks for watching. And again, congratulations to Cork on what remains to this day a historic and unique achievement in the GA. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.